Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Kylie Camps and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioural therapy space and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. Today's podcast is a solo episode and I'm going to share with you five thought exercises or perhaps even five thought practices, you could call it, for changing your thinking. Now, before we dive into the episode, I wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about Native Basics. So episode 90 is brought to you by Native Basics. And if you've not heard of them, then potentially you've been living under an Instagram rock because so many people are wearing them and supporting this company as well, because not only are Native Basics amazing underwear, like they they go above and beyond in terms of comfort and style and practicality for your basic underwear needs, but they're also a really, really um, what's the word? Inspiring, I guess I would say inspiring company in terms of the way that they're producing their products. So to tell you a little bit more about the Native Basics, I wanted to let you know that Native was founded in 2019 by a mum who really had a desire to do her part for the world and also to inspire her daughter as well. So she created super soft everyday knickers that you really do want to wear because they feel just like a second skin. There's nothing uncomfortable about them at all. They are pure heaven. Now, the Native Classics and Cheeky G's are made with tensile lyocell fibers and I have been schooled (laughs) in what this means, so I want to share it with you. It means that manufacturers of the material have a really strong reputation for environmentally responsible closed loop production. It means that they are transforming wood pulp into the cellulosic fibers with high resource efficiency, which means that there is a low environmental impact which you you just feel good about. It's nice to feel like you're doing your part as well because we all need underwear. So if you can shop with a brand that is making a difference, you do feel good about it. The material has been carefully selected for its minimal footprint on both carbon and water resources. 
The knickers are made from a botanical origin, super, super gentle on skin. They have enhanced breathability and are unfavorable for bacterial growth. They are partnered with one tree, so every single order from Native Basics means that they plant one tree with them. They have also partnered with Oz Harvest and donate monthly to that charity as well. So this range, Native Basics, they really do have you covered when it comes to your essential underwear needs. If you are still wearing underwear from years and years ago that has lost its elasticity, that's uncomfortable, rides up, falls down, doesn't feel good, has holes in it, is coming apart at the seams, please treat yourself to some Native Basics. My personal favorite is the Skin Colored G-String. I am wearing them under everything from my workout tights to sheer white play suits. I just find them universally so practical, so handy. And I do have a code to share with you, which is Kylie Loves for 20% off all of their knickers. That does exclude their native sets, but for everything else, you can use the code Kylie Loves to save 20%. So for all the mums, all the women who are listening who need to stock up, but always put it off because there's something else to buy. Take that discount code, Kylie Loves. Treat yourself. Get a couple of different pairs. They have a fuller brief. They have the Gs. They have black. They have the neutrals. Jump over. Check them out. I will pop the website in the show notes. So that code again, Kylie Loves for Native Basics. Now let's get stuck into the episode. I'm sure some of you may be aware, but I'm quite interested in observing thoughts. It's something that I find so fascinating and there is so much power in being curious about what we think, questioning what we think, examining what we believe to be true and all of that sort of stuff. And so when I was recently brainstorming on episodes that I wanted to record, in particular solo episodes, it came to me that I wanted to share here on the podcast a couple of different thought exercises or practices or hacks, whatever you want to call it, that I personally lean on when I'm having moments of feeling a little bit low or moments of being defensive and reactive and I guess kind of having a pity party. These are some of the thoughts that really lift me up and bring me back to reality back to the reality that I choose anyway. So I have five that I want to share with you. And the first one is my favorite. So even if you just get through the first one and you don't want to listen to the other four, that's fine. But this one is a parable. And the first time I heard it, I felt changed. I was like, wow, that is profound. It is poignant and it has stuck with me. And I often think of this parable When I find myself in a situation where I'm like, oh man, that sucks, or that's really shitty, or whatever it is, if I'm having that thought, then I remind myself of this. So I want to read it for you because hopefully, if I read it for you, I will do a better job of explaining it. So I'm unsure of what the actual correct (laughs) title is of the parable, she says, after mentioning that she wants to do a good job of reading it. But here we go. It goes like this. A farmer gets a horse, which soon runs away. A neighbor says, that's bad news. And the farmer replies, good news, bad news, 
who can say? The horse then comes back and brings another horse with him. Good news, you might say. The farmer gives the second horse to his son. His son rides it, but he is then thrown off the horse and badly breaks his leg. I'm so sorry for your bad news, says the concerned neighbour. Good news, bad news, who can say, the farmer replies. In a week or so, the emperor's men come and take every able-bodied young man to fight in a war, but the farmer's son is spared because of his injury. That's good news, of course. And so that's a short version of it. I have heard versions in the past that go on and on and keep playing it out, but that's kind of the crux of it. It allows you to look at different interactions and you can see how in a moment, you know, at first the judgment might be, oh, that's bad. But then when you give it a little space to breathe, it plays out and it's actually a good thing. And it's the same with the other other direction as well. Sometimes when you think something is good, you give it a little time and space and then you find out it's not so good. And I find that one really, really helpful because if I am in a mindset where I feel as though I'm being a victim or just having that pity party, like I mentioned, and I'm going, that's shit, that's bad. I remind myself, good news, bad news, who knows? Another one of my favorite expressions is it all comes out in the wash. And that just came into my mind then when I was speaking that because we don't know. We don't know what's put in front of our path and where it's meant to guide us. So rather than assigning and classifying certain things as bad or good, they are just what they are. And we will see as they unfold. And so I love that example because, you know, initially you think, oh, it's really bad that he's lost his horse. And then it brings back another horse. That's great. But then his son gets on the horse and then he breaks his leg, which is bad. And then he can't go to war. And that's good. Like it's just, it's all connected and it's all fluid and nothing really needs to be classified. So that was the first one that I wanted to share with you just in case that lands with someone out there. And the next one now, full disclosure, I do not think this practice will be suitable for everyone, but it is something that I have done for years and years and years. And recently someone said to me, I think, and someone, people have said it in the past as well. I think you really should explore the stoic philosophy because a lot of the things that I say seem to align with that way of living. And so I was gifted a book on stoicism. And it's the second book that I have on the topic. I have Marcus Aurelius's book, Meditations, which I really do enjoy. But this book that I'm reading at the moment, which you can hear rustling around, is called A Guide to the Good Life. And it's by William B. Irvine. I will wait till I finish it to give a proper review on it. But the reason I've got this book with me now is because I wanted to talk about point number two. And In this book, they refer to it as negative visualization, which I actually think is a terrible name for it. I would call it something like practicing perspective if I had to pluck a name out of the air. And perspective is just something that I so value and it makes the biggest difference to my life. It really is such a mood enhancer for me and it pulls me out of so many dark situations at times. I can't see the perspective and sometimes I'm like, fuck the perspective. I just need to feel low. I need to have a bed day or whatever it might be. But 
it's something that I have cultivated over the years and I can't think of what the exact catalyst was as to why I began doing this. But each and every day I do take a moment and it's not at a set time. It's not like the first thing I do or the last thing I do, but it is just a practice, a thought practice that at some stage throughout the day, I imagine something really bad happening and I can drop into that and I can feel it and notice it and imagine it for a bit. And then I pull myself back out of it. And when I pull myself back out of it and it's quite quickly, I am just enamored with gratitude for what I do have. Now, I, as I mentioned at the start of point number two, this is not a practice for everyone. For some people, it may be crippling for them to imagine something really bad happening. You know, I'm not a psychologist. If someone has generalized anxiety, this could be quite challenging for them. There's so many reasons why it might not work. But for me, I can take a moment to imagine something really hard and really awful happening and then snap out of it, feel gratitude and get on with my day. So I think that there will be people out there that can do the same. And that's why I've got this book in front of me because it is part of the Stoic philosophy. And there's a whole chapter on what they call negative visualization. And I wanted to read just a small little bit from this book to you. And so the part of the book, it starts with a little bit about Epictetus. Now, Epictetus is an ancient Stoic philosopher. And so it says, Epictetus also advocates for negative visualization. He counsels us, for example, when we kiss our child to remember that she is mortal and not something we own, that she has been given to us for the present, not inseparably, nor forever. His advice in the very act of kissing the child we should silently reflect on the possibility that she will die tomorrow. Which I know is really, really uncomfortable for some parents to imagine. It goes on. In his meditations, by the way, Marcus Aurelius, who is another Stoic philosopher, approvingly quotes this advice. To see how imagining the death of a child can make us appreciate her, consider two fathers. The first takes Epictetus's advice to heart and periodically reflects on his child's mortality. The second refuses to entertain such gloomy thoughts. He instead assumes that his child will outlive him and that she will always be around for him to enjoy. The first father will almost certainly be more attentive and loving than the second. When he sees his daughter first thing in the morning, he will be glad that she is still part of his life. And during the day, he will take full advantage of opportunities to interact with her. The second father, in contrast, will be, like, will be unlikely to experience a rush of delight on encountering his child in the morning. Indeed, he may not even look up from the newspaper to acknowledge her presence in the room. During the day, he will fail to take advantage of opportunities to interact with her in the belief that such interactions can be postponed until tomorrow. And when he finally does get around to interacting with her, the delight that he derives from her company will not be as profound, one supposes, as the delight the first father experiences 
from such interactions. Besides contemplating the death of relatives, the Stoics think we should spend some time contemplating the loss of friends to death, perhaps, or to a falling out. Thus, Epictetus counsels that when we say goodbye to a friend, we should silently remind ourselves that this may be our final parting. If we do this, we will be less likely to take our friends for granted, and as a result, we will probably derive far more pleasure from from friendships than we otherwise would. So that's just a small little section from the book that I mentioned, A Guide to the Good Life by William B. Irvine, which once I finish that book, I'll definitely do a full review of it. But I wanted to read that because I feel as though it does a really a really great explanation on negative visualization. Again, I would change it to you know, thinking of shifting shifting, excuse me, your perspective. Taking a moment to realize what you have in front of you by imagining that you no longer have it can be powerful. Again, some people it won't work for, but for me it certainly does. I know that when I'm having a hard day with the boys, and I can remember this when they were young, you know, when they were little babies and they both had colic and they were both crying and crying and crying and it's so hard. And I don't want to minimize how hard it is because far out being a mum is tough. But I had perspective to look at the situation and be like, yes, this sucks and it's hard at times. But if this is my biggest problem today, I am so lucky. And that's the way that I approach a lot of things every day. You know, if I'm running a bit late, if being a bit late is my biggest problem, far out, what a blessed life I have. Or if, you know, the boys are fighting and they're just, you know, firing off 4,000 questions, I take a moment mentally to just think about how many parents out there have lost their kids and would kill for that moment back of their child asking them to repeat the same story over and over again or to read the Pokemon encyclopedia again. And it just, it helps. It really, really helps me to feel grateful and feel happy and feel more joy in the everyday. And I know in one of Brene Brown's books, she speaks about when people lose loved ones it's not the big things that they miss it's the little things like the screen door closing and stuff like that so just taking moments to actually be really really grateful for what you have is so important so that is my second little thought hack for turning around your mood now the third one is a question to ask yourself when you feel like you're stuck in anxiety or you're worrying about something and I'm sure a lot of you have heard the terminology that when you're anxious you're living in the future because it's not happening to you right in that moment but you're projecting what could happen. Recently I heard the term that when you are doing that you need to ask yourself is this something that I need to put myself through twice? So if something is going to happen and you're feeling anxious about it and you're running it over and over and over again in your mind, just noticing that you're making yourself live it more than you need to and asking that question, do I need to live this twice? Or maybe it's a hundred times that you're putting yourself through it. So say for, you know, right now, 
you're feeling anxious about dropping your child at school. I'll just use that as an example. And you're going over and over and over and over it. And you know that that drop off is coming up in three days. Just asking yourself, do I need to do this? Do I need to live this experience mentally 5,000 times? Or can I just allow myself to live it in real time? And I'm going to pull up the statistic, but something like over 90% of the things that we worry about don't actually end up happening, which I think is so important that we acknowledge. So where is it? I made a little note about it. There it is. A 2019 study on generalized anxiety disorder found that 91.4% of worries never came to fruition. So just thinking about that, if it's likely that it's not going to actually happen, like the worst case scenario is not going to happen, do I need to put myself through it mentally? It's a big one, but a handy question to ask. The next one that I wanted to mention is to really think about the situation that you're in currently. So if you're bothered by something, if you're upset, to really notice that there are only two things. There are things that we can control and things that we can't. So asking yourself, is this something I can control? And if yes, what part of it? What can I actually do here to take ownership and make this situation better? Or is this a time when it has nothing to do with me and I cannot control any of this and I need to let it go? which of course is in line with the old serenity prayer of, you know, grant me the power to accept the things I cannot change and change the things I cannot accept. It's probably the other way around. But in any situation, just noticing what can I actually control in a healthy way here? So say someone's treating you poorly. You may not be able to control how they're treating you, but you can control how you engage and how you respond. And taking ownership for that is really, really powerful. And in a similar vein to that, asking yourself the question, what is my business? So again, and I get, I keep saying this, if you're in a low mood or you're feeling stuck about something, really ask yourself, is this my business? Has this got anything to do with me or is this someone else's concern? Because all too often we do find ourselves getting caught in other people's business and other people's worries and just really noticing, is it yours? Can you control it? And when I say control, I mean, how can you react and respond to that? I don't mean actually going and manipulating and taking charge of situations that aren't going to serve you. And I don't mean controlling it in an unhealthy way. I hope that that's clear. The last thing that I wanted to share with you, which one of my girlfriends and I, we do a lot, we will voice each other and talk about this, is a practice from Abraham Hicks, and that is segment intending. So noticing when you're starting a new segment of your day. So rather than the day being a total write-off, it's about being present. So right now you might be in the kitchen making school lunches, and then it's noticing, oh, I'm now in another segment of my day when I'm in the car and I'm doing school drop-off. And then, oh, I'm in another segment of the day now that I've walked into the office or now that I'm doing groceries or now that I'm folding the laundry. Just noticing the different segment kind of allows you to reset 
and be really, really present. And rather than the day just being one big long blur, which it often is, especially when you have young children, it's about noticing where you are, what you're doing, being more mindful and resetting. And I find this really, really grounding and helpful because again, if you're all up in your head with worries and concern and you're living in the future or you're living in the past, you might just be going through your day completely on autopilot. But say right now you're feeling frustrated and you're tidying the house or you're out for an angry walk because you're feeling frustrated just stop and intend to go into a different segment of your day and try and do it with a different energy or not even different, just notice your energy. Because when you start to reframe, okay, that part of my day is now over and I'm in this part of my day, it's like a bit of a chance to, I guess, regenerate and begin again in that moment. So I hope this is helpful. hope it's made sense. Lord knows if it has, but fingers crossed. I really do appreciate you listening to the podcast. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, this app is brought to you by Native Basics. All of their details are in the show notes. They are seriously, seriously super, super soft underwear. They have an amazing range and that code again is Kylie Loves. Thank you for listening to the episode and I hope that you enjoy episode 91. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 